This is the Jesse Kelly Show. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Let's have some fun on a Friday and ask Dr. Jesse Friday. And this is it's this is goodbye. This is the last time that you will hear the sultry sounds of my voice for like a week and a half or something like that. Chris, when's our next show back? Like the 27th or something? The 27th is the next time you will get to hear the sultry sounds of me. (laughs) So I'm sorry about that. I'm off to Israel. Here's what we have tonight. Communists enjoying the fruits of their labor. Funding for the FBI slashed. Ask Dr. Jesse questions that are so good. I don't, and there are so many of them. I don't even know that I'll get to a fraction of them this show, but I'm not throwing any away. They're so good. I'm just going to chop away at these and a great idea that didn't work out in the end. All that and so much more is coming up tonight on the world famous Jesse Kelly show, but we're going to begin. This is rare, but we've done it before. With an email until we before we get to communists and the fruits of their labor. Dear Dr. Male Pattern. Okay, that's not very nice, actually. During the Carter administration, it took 13% inflation, 21% interest rates, and gas shortages, among other things, to finally get people to wake up and make a leadership change. In the USA Today, how bad do you think it will get before Normie McNormalson gets uncomfortable enough to put their phone down and vote these communists out. His name is Nathan. What's it going to take for Normie Norm to wake from his slumber? What's it going to take? What's it going to take? This is a question you ask all the time. I ask all the time because as we've talked about, we are frustrated. We are informed and we are ahead of everyone else. And we want Normie Norm to wake up so we can save this friggin' place. And he won't wake up. What's it going to take? Well, let me explain it to you this way. Do you know why? Do you know why sometimes it can be frustrating when your kids are small? Not that having not that having bad kids is bad. Kids having kids is amazing. If you want to have kids, you and your wife, your husband want to have kids, you go make all the babies in the world. It's the greatest thing in the world I've ever done. I love being a dad. So I'm not complaining about that, but sometimes Sometimes having a small kid, small children can be frustrating. Why is it frustrating? Well, there's a variety of different reasons from the diapers and everything else. But one of the reasons you don't think about, but it's true. One of the reasons it makes it difficult and stressful to introduce a child into your home is children are selfish. They're selfish. They don't know any better. Everything's about them. I'm tired. I want to sleep. I'm hungry. I want to eat. I have to poop. I think I'll just go. Hey, come change this for me. Everything is about themselves. That creates a stressful, strained environment because you're not about yourself. In fact, at this point in time, you're all about them. You have no sleep. Yeah, Chris is going to go through this. You've just, it's, it's tough. It's awesome, and I love it, but it's tough because one entity is unselfish the other entity is 100% consumed with themselves eventually children grow out of that but unless they turn into liberals and then they don't but still that creates a stressful situation it's stressful for you because you think about things that are higher 
than yourself. You think about things that are not just your family, right? Everyone loves their family. Everyone loves their, their kids. Let's just stick with that example. Everyone loves their kids. But you think about society in general, uh, entertainment, the government. You look at your kids and you think about, I want this to change so life will be better for my kids. And I want that to change so it will be better for my kids. And, and Normie Norm doesn't think like that. He doesn't think like you think at all. That is tough. Normie Norm is only consumed with himself, with himself and his instead of something higher, and that creates stress. But allow me to relieve it or make it worse for you. Are you ready for this? Normie Norm will never wake up, ever, until it hurts. Something has to hurt, and it has to hurt him specifically. It does. That's really hard because you want everyone to wake up before that. You don't want to see anyone to get hurt. I, I don't want to see anyone get hurt. That's why I try to live my life shaking normie normal awake. Please wake up before these people kill us. But until it hurts, like you just mentioned, Jimmy Carter, interest rates, gas shortage. It took gas lines to get that weapons grade moron out of the White House. It took lines at the gas station. Guess what? He wasn't any more of a moron after the gas lines than he was before the gas lines. Had no idea what he was doing. Should not have been there at all. But it took Normie Norm waiting for an hour in, in, in line to get gas to finally say, okay, this is, uh, uh, this is not going to work. We, we, got, we got to switch things up here. During COVID is a great example of this. Uh, look, and let's just let's let's have a frank talk about us and who we are. Because I've said COVID was the second most revealing time of my life. The first was when they made us take down our American flags in combat, in case you're wondering. But COVID was very revealing. And what was revealing for me, what really hit me so hard, wasn't the idiocy and corruption of our government. I knew that already, for the most part. Obviously, more was revealed. You're more aware of it now. I'm more aware of it now than I was. But you already knew. Government's full of a bunch of corrupt losers and morons. That's not news for you. You knew that before COVID. What hammered me, hammered me, and I guess I was just very, very, very naive. What hammered me was how accepting the American people were of insane tyrannical things, insane things. I, look, it was just naivete. I always believed that most Americans still, even Democrats, they still, in, in their veins, it was in their DNA, had a disdain for tyranny and a desire to be free. They just wanted to be free. And that's what I thought, that people wanted to be free, especially Americans, maybe not in some dump like Iraq, but here in America, it's in our DNA. Freedom, baby! No. Americans want Netflix and DoorDash. And if you make sure they have Netflix and DoorDash, they'll let you close their churches. They'll let you unbolt the outdoor basketball hoops and take them down. They'll let you put up one-way signs in the grocery aisles. Yes, these are things we did. They'll make your child wear a mask at school, and then when your child has band practice, they'll cut a hole in the mask so your child can play the flute. Don't believe me that that's a thing that happened? Go look it up. That's a thing that happened regularly. If you just 
give Americans enough comfort. Normie Norm, I'm not talking about you. If you just give Normie Norm enough comfort, Normie Norm will let you do abuses to him without end. It's that old quote, all you have to do is give people bread and circuses. It's so incredibly true. We watched as the United States government and all the sub-governments underneath it, states and cities and whatnot, we watched as they actually shut down American society because of a virus. That's in, That concept in and of itself is insane. You never do that. Never. You never look at your economy, a $20 trillion economy with more moving parts than the smartest person in history could ever comprehend. You never look at that economy and you say, stop, someone got a cold. Even if it's a bad cold, even if people are dying, even if they're dying in droves, you never look at your economy and say, stop. And a free people, no matter what you think about that, a free people would instinctively reject that outright anyway. Hold on. Wait a minute, governor. Uh, uh, I can't open my business. Hold on. Uh, no, excuse me, police. Why are you kicking people out of Burger King? No, you, we don't stand for that. But a free people did not. Why? Well, the gyms got shut down. The church got shut down. The basketball hoops got taken down, but DoorDash was still there. Netflix was still there. The Wi-Fi didn't go out. Do you know what it will take? What it will really take to wake up Normie Norm? The lights are going to have to go off. That's what it will. You know what's going to be a huge wake up for Normie Norm? You already know it's coming, but for Normie Norm, when America starts to get blackouts and brownouts more regularly than they already do, it's just, it's very common in other countries, just Lights will go out and, okay, no power today. Hopefully they get it back on tonight. Americans have never experienced that, not on the regular. They will. And then that day, Normie Norm will wake up and say, well, how, how did this, why didn't somebody do something? And you could say, hey, remember when I told you to stop voting Democrat and these, all this going green stuff was going to destroy the power grid? Well, guess what? The power grid's gone now. You did this. You voted for this. That's the hard truth. Let's get out of hard truths. I've had enough of this. Let's talk about communists enjoying the fruits of their labor. Now, let's talk about the fruits of your labor first. Your retirement. We all want to retire one day. I want to retire from this back-breaking job of doing radio every single day. No, I'm kidding. We all want to retire one day. We do. If inflation destroys the dollar, how are we going to do that? Interest rates keep going up. Stock market going down. How are we going to do that? Well, we get precious metals as part of our 401k and IRA. And in case it really hits the fan, we get physical gold and silver in our hands. Call Oxford Gold Group to handle all this for you. They not only handle it, they make it easy. They're laid back. I've sent my own dad there. All right. Call 833-995-GOLD. 833-995-GOLD. We'll be back. The Jesse Kelly Show. I like it. Returns next. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Remember, you can email the show, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. And remember, no matter how old you are, we cannot fall behind 
technologically. So we have to tune in when the experts speak. And I think the first part of this issue that should be articulated is AI is kind of a fancy thing. It's, first of all, it's two letters. It means <laughs> artificial intelligence. But ultimately what it is, is it's about machine learning. <laughs> and so the machine is taught. And part of the issue here is what information is going into the machine that will then determine, and, and we can predict then, if we think about what machine, what information is going in, what then? I can't. I'm sorry. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> I quit. It's an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. Now, let's get to this one. Jesse, I'm just a simple sod farmer in the communist state of Washington. I work hard because poverty sucks. I'm fortunate enough to listen to your show in the fields. I love that. As a blue-blooded American, I am confused as to how Normie Norm can be so disengaged with their country to the extent they simply accept and follow the current state of affairs. My question is how far down this dangerous path will we have to go before it's too late? Well, I just talked about this quite a bit. It's going to take power outages, Wi-Fi going out, gas stations being out of gas. It's going to take real pain, but also... Because we have lived in such a technologically advanced manufacturing, which is uh, so many benefits to living in this country, natural resources, we lose sight of, and you probably do, I know I do, as appreciative as I am of this country, we lose sight of how other people actually live in their countries and how blessed we are. I have never once walked into a grocery store, outside of maybe a little hurricane panic or something, and seen empty shelves. Really, in... Any section, honestly. Maybe there'll be this food item or that food item gone, but America just has stocked shelves, and that's all we've ever had. So Americans just genuinely think that's how grocery stores work everywhere, right? But that's not how grocery stores work everywhere. It's not. Americans think that cell phone coverage is normal, right? On your pure talk phone, 5G network. Everyone thinks you can just go out and just anywhere and make a phone call. Surely that's how it works everywhere. No, it's not. There's always a hospital nearby, medical services. How far are you right now away from medical services? Five minutes? Chris, I think, I think me and Chris and Michael, I think we could walk there in five minutes. I'm looking at one out the window. That's how things are. We're used to that. Once our standard of living has been taken away, a standard of living that we've grown accustomed to, that's when Norm will wake up, all right? And look, sometimes Norm has to hurt. Like Manhattan, DA, George Soros, Alvin Bragg. New York DA who is prosecuting Trump, soft on crime, you know how much I hate that, admits he fears for his family while riding the subway. Alvin Bragg, he is a communist district attorney. He's done a lot more than just destroy, well, attempt to destroy Donald Trump. He's gutted New York City by purging the jails of all the violent trash. And now they're out there stabbing, assaulting, raping, murdering everybody they can find. And now Alvin Bragg gets nervous about his family running on or driving, riding on the subway, driving on the subway. I guess they don't let you drive, really, but riding on the subway. Here's the ugly truth of it. Lavrenti Beria ended up with a bullet in his head. 
Now, a lot of people don't know who Lavrenti Beria is, which is so sad. I know you know, but he was Stalin's head of his NKVD. Lavrenti Beria is responsible for more people being murdered, more torture than you can well, than you ever want to know about, believe me on that. He is also according to Soviet accounts somebody who liked children as well. There's a report that Stalin himself called his daughter when he found out his daughter was in Lavrenti Beria's presence and told her, get out now and go home. He's that kind of evil. You can look at pictures of Lavrenti Beria. I've never seen a color one. I don't know that they exist. But you can look at pictures and you know that's an evil human being. And he was the ultimate communist. Every single thing that needed to be done. Anyone who needed to be killed. Whatever you need, boss. I'll, I'll handle everything, boss. And in the end... Lavrenti Beria got that knock on the door that all the communists do. And he got to find out exactly what communism does. It destroys and kills everything. Your liberal Aunt Peggy doesn't understand that everything she loves will eventually be destroyed, and it's because of her. It's because of what she's doing. Everything. It doesn't matter what she values. It'll all be gone. Alvin Bragg... Just this one little headline made me laugh. You know why? It made me laugh and also it made me sad because here's what's going to happen. These Soros DAs are flesh and blood human beings. Alvin Bragg is a flesh and blood human being. Probably has a family he loves. These Soros DAs are going to see the fruits of their labor one day. They will. I'm not hoping for that, but they will. If something horrible is going to happen, I'd rather not happen to these people's poor families, but they will. Mom's going to be riding on the subway, dead. And then they're going to realize they serve the god of death and destruction, communism. That's what it is. And that's what it takes sometimes to wake these people up. As my buddy Phil says, can't believe I didn't come up with this, the only good thing about communism is all the communists, communism is killed. In the end, they eat it all. All right, enough. Talk some World War One. You want to do some World War One? Hang on. Like and subscribe on social at Jesse Kelly DC. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Let's check in real quick with the FTC director here. Some of these speech platforms, why people would be afraid and worried about censorship. I couldn't agree more that when you have a handful of people making decisions about what gets seen, what doesn't get seen, what who and gets. You think heard, the remedy to that is for government to lay, d- decide what's disinformation and what what's not? Congressman, at the FTC, our job is to promote competition. More competition means more people making these decisions, and I think that can alleviate some of the concerns about censorship that you're sharing. Yeah, they want to censor your speech. Let's let's check in and see what this lady thinks about capitalism, shall we? Let me ask you, what's your view of capitalism? Excuse me? What's your view of capitalism? Hmm. Um, you know, the FTC's job is to promote competition. Oh, no, what's and- your view of capitalism? Could you explain what you mean by that term? Good system, bad system, what do you see is its strengths and weaknesses? So I think open, competitive, robust, resilient markets are critical to America's economic success, and the FTC has the honor of playing a really important role in ensuring that our markets are open and competitive and position the America to compete globally. Do you uh, uh, see a role in government in, in, in interposing its judgment for theirs? The role of the FTC is really one of a referee. 
Uh, we believe in open competitive markets. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. Anyway, Chris, you can throw this in the headline stack for Jesse so he can gloat like a toddler about being right again. And it was a headline about top Democrats reaching out to potential Biden replacements. Guess who's mentioned as the top candidate in there? What is that? What's his name, Chris? Ga- Gavin Newsom. Huh. If the, well, not if. The day Joe Biden announces he's not running for health reasons. Oh, I got a cough. <laughs> and Gavin Newsom steps up and immediately launches to, to the top of the polls. Just look, this is not something you're ever supposed to do in radio. It's really important that you don't listen that night because obnoxious doesn't even describe how bad I'm going to be because I called this one a year ago. How long ago was it I called that one, Chris? It was a long time ago. <laughs> All right. World War One expert. I'm not a World War One expert, but I do love it. Have you watched Netflix's World War One movie, All Quiet on the Western Front? I watched it weeks ago, and it still haunts me. I've never seen a war movie that brings the brutality and tragedy of war to life like that. If you haven't seen it, do it ASAP. If you had, what's your impression? Uh, well, here's my impression. Yes, I've seen All Quiet on the Western Front. Uh, it is brutal. No question about it. It was not that shocking to me only because of how much reading I've done on World War I. And we're just going to do a little World War I talk. Why? Because it's Friday and I'm about to leave and I freaking feel like it. That's why. World War I was so horrific for a variety of reasons. But one of the things that really made World War I so terrible was war had always been, there had always been military advancements in war, right? I mean, it, if you go back to the... Uh, Alexander the Great's father, Philip II, part of the reason he conquered all the other Greek states was they just came up with a spear that was longer than the other Greek spears. It's so simple and stupid, right? But it was one of these military advancements that screwed people up. So technology was always increasing. But we had never seen the machine gun. Not really. There had been a couple of skirmishes with the British in Africa and things like that. The machine gun, a gun that you just hold the trigger and Bullets just keep coming out of it. And artillery that shot miles and miles and miles and miles. And not only shot miles and miles and miles, shot miles and miles and miles accurately. And prior to that, it's not as if I'm, I'm ever going to call war glorious. That's not what I'm trying to do. But if you were a young man prior to World War I, dating back to really the beginning of mankind, war was swords and spears, and a cap, maybe a cavalry charge if you have a horse, yeah, bows and arrows, and I realized guns had started to be introduced, but it was so drastically different beforehand. And so what happens is World War I kicks up, and this is, one of the, this is why the books just got me in World War I. It's these young men who do what young men have always done. Young men, you cannot help it, moms. I'm sorry. I explain it to my wife all the time, too. They crave a little bit of danger. doesn't have to be suicidal, but young men crave danger. And that's fine. That's how God made them. They crave adventure. They want to see the world. They want to serve their country. They want to see what they're made of. They want to get tough. So if you're in France, if you're in Britain, 
Hey, we're looking for volunteers. Man, at least in the beginning, you wouldn't have a shortage of them. Ambitious young men showing up. I'm ready to go. King and country. Maybe I'll charge with a saber in my hand one day. And instead, they get out there in World War I, especially early. 1915, 1914, 1915, honestly, I think have to be the most horrific years of warfare in the history of mankind. And I realize that's really subjective. But you get out there, and instead of all these glorious cavalry charges, you are watching your buddies get blown up en masse. That's not really something people had ever gone through before. Yes, there were cannons and explosions, but there are multiple stories of you're sitting around, uh, you're, you're, you think you're safe, you're sitting around eating lunch with 50 of your friends and an artillery shell lands in the middle of you all and you're all gone. They bury your toenails. Like that. Every, it's, not, it's not a friend. It, they're all of them. They're gone. You're sitting there in a trench, rotting, boredom, misery. You, when people die in the trenches in World War I, Oftentimes, you can't get them out of the trench. So you would bury people in the walls of the trench sometimes. You're sitting there fighting with your friend's corpse buried in the wall in front of you. Stories about you know, his face being uncovered when it starts to rain. How, what does that do to the human mind? Again, we're talking about a young man who thought he was going to get on a horse with a sword and fight for king and country. What does it do? What does it do when they blow a whistle and you have to charge over the trench? And the the tactics, the military tactics were all made for how warfare had always been, not for this machine gun era warfare. And everybody gets mowed down in 15 seconds. It's not, it doesn't even take a long time because you're charging a machine gun nest. You can't do that. I don't care how brave you are. Boop, boop, boop. You're all gone. Like that. Your whole unit gone. What is that like? What is it like for a country when countries like Britain would oftentimes keep troops from the same town together? They thought it helped camaraderie, and of course it would, right? Hey, it's my neighbor, Bob. Hey, we're fighting together. Until that artillery shell hits, and then every young man in, the young, in that town, gone like that. What does that do to a country? It just that kind of death. And in unique level of death and misery just has always blown me away. If you want to, if you want a book about that, that'll, that'll really, really bring it home for you. His name's Ernst Younger. There's a couple really, really good World War II books out there, but he wrote a book called Storm of Steel. Storm of Steel. It's one to read about. And he talks, as you can imagine, because of the name, about what it's like when artillery shells are landing all around you and just all around you, there's just jagged metal, just blowing off limbs and killing people, blowing down trees. There's a place, there are several places in World War I where there was a beautiful forest and they would have a big, long battle there and it just looked like the moon. All the trees were gone. Everything's gone. It looked like hell. You look at the old pictures of it. It just, it, World War I, man, um, underrated. World War II obviously gets a bunch of play for a lot of reasons. It's the biggest event in human history, so that's it's understandable. But World War I, people kind of know a little about it. Well, maybe they'll know about you know, gas, ga- people getting gas, maybe some trench warfare, but the nitty-gritty details of it, ugh, no thank you. All right. 
Today on the newscast, renowned historian Victor Davis Hanson joins us to break down the Great Reset and the goal of global elites to erase national sovereignty and borders. That's next. Folks, Eric Stackelbeck here. Welcome to the Watchman Newscast. We want to get right into it today with renowned historian, Hoover Institution senior fellow and professor, Victor Davis Hanson. He joined me recently on our TBN special, What is the Great Reset?, where he broke down not only the history of attempts to establish a one world government, but also today's attempts by global elites to control your life. And folks, remember, it's not a conspiracy theory when the people behind it are saying out loud, openly, what they intend to do. Here's my interview with Victor Davis Hanson. From Pharaoh to Rome, from Napoleon to Hitler, many empires have tried to impose their will on the world, but none of them had the advanced technology that we have today with everything from the internet to AI. It's technology that in many cases is used for good, but can easily be misused by those who have an obsession with control. And we are joined by Hoover Institute senior fellow, Victor Davis Hanson. Professor, great to have you with us. You know, the elites who are pushing the Great Reset Agenda tell us that we'll own nothing, we'll have no privacy, and yet we'll be happy. How exactly does that work? And what is the real end game here? Well, it doesn't work. And the real end game is that uh, a self-appointed group of people in Europe and the United States mostly, but also westernized countries like Japan, South Korea, Australia, etc. But mostly it's Western or westernized elites who have done very well uh, out of you know, neoliberal capitalism and have made more money and have more influence and power than anybody would ever imagine. The history of civilization have gotten together and they feel that they have a formula that they're going from top down to impress on the rest of us. And there's certain protocols that they abide by. One is they're never subject to the consequences of their own ideology. So they have to be anointed and exempt. So John Kerry has to have a private plane on our behalf, or Al Gore's got to get a 10,000 square foot home on our behalf, or Michael Bloomberg uh, and Bill Gates have to fly all over the world and invest billions of dollars in communist China on our behalf. And their, their goal is to supersede the constitutional governments in Europe, the United States with a supra government under their control. So if Ireland wants to have a lower capital gains tax than say the EU countries in average, they can't do that because that would be uh, freelancing. Or if the United States meets the Paris Climate Accords without being a part of it, that doesn't matter. It's a renegade state. And uh, so there's been these experiments throughout history Alexander the Great's Brotherhood of Man, Napoleon's Continental System, uh, some of the people that dreamed up the League of Nations that wanted one Esperanto as a, as a universal language. But they've all failed because history shows us that the most effective means of organizing people in, is the nation state under a constitutional system. 
that reflects unique character characteristics, protocols, traditions within defined borders. And that's what they're trying to destroy. Professor, you are an historian and you've tackled totalitarian movements in your work time and time again. What sets the Great Reset apart? Why is this particular agenda different? Is technology the deciding factor here? It seems a whole lot easier these days to really enforce global governance, whether through a digital currency, digital ID. Why is this different? Well, that's their words. That They say it's different and it will succeed where other utopian schemes have failed because we're a global village now. And so they're, they're not shy about suggesting that uh, the ability to call somebody up halfway across the world on your cell phone or to look uh, to email instantaneously or to have TikTok uh, in every nation or Facebook in every nation uh, has created a one world culture. And that has made these previously failed political efforts viable now, at least they feel that. And there's no it's no accident that some of the people who are driving this come out of Silicon Valley, especially because they profit from it. And uh, and so they feel there's one international culture and that culture has been organic and it, all it needs now is a formalized political structure so that, you know, somebody in Montana doesn't light a fire out in his yard to have a barbecue or some uh, somebody in London doesn't cook on a natural gas stove or somebody, um, in Nigeria doesn't pass a law suggesting your your sex is determined biologically. That's what they're after. And it seems like a sovereign United States is a big problem in that regard. Is a crisis, uh, you know, some, some in the progressive movement had said, hey, never let a crisis go to waste. It seems like they became much more open about this, the Great Reset crowd, with the onset of COVID. Now climate, yeah. they're painting as a great existential crisis equity and a number of crises they're throwing at us, are they using that in many ways as a pretext to just increase control? Well, they say they are. I mean, Klaus Schwab, as you know, wrote a book called COVID and the Great Reset. And he said this was the panic that induced global cooperation and lockdowns and uniform policies about social distancing and mass wearing could be superimposed in peacetime or non-plague time. Uh, as a, and that shows you what the world can do if it has a sufficient terror. Hillary Clinton said that she never let a crisis go to waste, that COVID allowed her, she thought, to promote single-payer health care. Here in California, Gavin Newsom said, well, it's tragic about COVID, but it has at least given us a chance to have, quote, a more progressive capitalism. So that's what everybody thought. And the premise of the subtext of that is that nobody in their right mind would willingly surrender their sovereignty over to this group of people who have no allegiance to any particular nation and uh, never, as I said, live by their own ideology. So there has to be a, either coercion or people have to voluntarily give up their sovereignty because they're scared to death about climate or COVID or energy crisis. So they try to, you know, they really do want to cut back on fossil fuels, so that could create a, a crisis. Or they tell people in Holland or Europe that nitrogen levels are too high in farming, and therefore we've got to cut back on, on this or that. So they're always looking for a crisis 
to allow them to kind of sneak in with political authoritarianism. Yeah, you've talked a lot about this woke movement and cancel culture here in the United States. You see those two movements, cancel culture, wokeness, as pillars, in a sense, of this great reset. I think they're just our generation's uh, terms for cultural Marxism. That's an ancient idea going back to the 19th century, and it was popular in Italy by Gramsci and others. It just meant that the idea of financial or economic Marxism, that is the abolition of private property or mandatory sharing or punitive confiscations of wealthy people's money, that could be transferred to the cultural realm. So uh, that people who enjoy success in sports or in Hollywood or in foundations or the media, they would have to give up and share so they would be not singular or exceptional. Last question here, Professor. Uh, They, the people like Klaus Schwab, the people at Davos, the people behind the Great Reset Agenda, they're really quite open. They're saying, as you mentioned earlier, we we are trying to advance a Great Reset. It's not a conspiracy if they're actually verbalizing it. For the United States in particular, the Western world in general, what's the way forward here? It seems like this agenda is pretty far down the road. Uh, What's the way forward for us here in America? Well, I think there's been a pushback. We saw it with the Trump candidacy and and four years of presidency. And I think now the opposition to it, for better or for worse, is in the Republican Party. And the the old globalist uh, interventionist, I guess you would call it the McCain, the Bush, the Romney nexus is over with. So whatever a candidate is, a serious candidate to hold higher office, either president, vice president, or Senate. And it's going to be in opposition to the Great Reset. They're going to be for border security. They're going to be not for optional military operations in the Middle East. They're going to be for energy self-sufficiency. They're going to be for a unique American culture that privileges the middle classes. That's a new, I mean, that's against the old stereotype of the Republican Party is silk stocking aristocrats on the golf course. So that's the revolutionary reaction in this country. And it has counterparts in Europe. You see it with demonstrations in France and Britain. So I think there's a lot of anger toward these elites. A lot of it comes from their hypocrisy. And they're just simply not willing to live uh, in the manner they want everybody else to. We live in interesting times, dangerous times. Victor Davis Hanson, we're so glad we have you sounding the alarm about this. Thank you so much for your time. God bless. We'll see you again soon. Thank you. Thanks again to Victor Davis Hanson for those great insights. Folks, again, check out my TBN special, What is the Great Reset?, which you can find right here on our channel under TBN Specials. Hey, we live in prophetic times, Bible times, but through it all, be encouraged because God still sits on the throne. Thanks for joining us here today on The Watchman. Until next time, God bless you. And remember, never hold your peace. We'll see you back here tomorrow.